0: You know, we've got to think, what are people singing for? Is your choir, is your singing lesson there to help improve someone's life or is it sort of what I call hardcore is it sort of (laughs) for the music only and only the music um so maybe you can change the size of the music print the lyrics the size of the lyrics print let people have their music with them in performances god forbid for some people but but you know that can really help Mm. allow people to sit for performances allow them to have breaks even if you want them to stand for some of it Mm. Um, Let there be, you know, more frequent pauses and rests and breaks, shorter sessions, um, you know, all all these different things. So less frequent rehearsals, as, as I've said, and altered expectations of people's stamina and performance ability. Love all of that.
1: I think that is brilliant. And, you know, can I just say... All hail every choir leader who has got out there over the last, I mean, you know, we're coming up almost to two years and has been prepared to go online and work with their singers online and every singing teacher who has adapted to teaching online
2: This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher. Hello and welcome to This is a Voice, Series 3, Episode 7. And we're continuing the conversation on long COVID with highly specialist speech and language therapist, Carrie Garrett, who is also a singer and a singing teacher. So she knows so much about this whole thing.
1: Thank you so much for being with us today, Carrie. We had so much to talk about that we just had to go on.
2: I think we should go to SOVT. Mm, Tell us about SOVT, Carrie, semi occluded vocal tract.
0: (laughs) Why does it help? How does it help? Well, one of the things which is really fantastic, I mean, considering... The, the key uh, sort of symptoms that we're finding are being reported when people are suffering from long COVID are breathlessness, mm-hmm. fatigue, um, and also obviously problems with memories, memory and concentration as well. The wonderful thing about SOVT is you don't have to think about words and language when you're doing the exercises, which is a really big plus point. So it's not too taxing on memory and things. So I will just get that in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, I did want to actually just briefly, before we I mean, it's, it's linked with S O V T. One of the things that we're finding um, in terms of laryngeal uh, implications of um, S O V T of sorry of long COVID is that actually sometimes people are experiencing they're running out of air when they're speaking, mm-hmm. and they're finding that um, they're getting more short of breath following activity. And actually, S O V T can be really great in helping with this because it can help with the improved closure of the vocal folds. Some people who are experiencing shortness of breath as and um, following long COVID may be suffering from post-viral vagal neuropathy, it's called, so reduced vocal fold movement. And actually the SOVT um, is really good at trying to rebalance the whole system, encouraging that great um, the drive, the appropriate breath drive and the appropriate um, pressure at the level of the vocal folds so that it's easier on the vocal folds. It's therapeutic on the vocal folds and it's balancing the system as well. That's
1: so interesting. So uh, neuropathy means that something isn't quite functioning as well as it should with the nerve. And the vagus nerve wraps around the heart, doesn't it? The recurrent laryngeal nerve wraps around the heart. And the vagus nerve also feeds almost all of the muscles of the larynx one way or another via, via various branches. Have I remembered yes. that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, mm. it's got various branches. Yeah.
2: I think it's interesting because yeah. if, there, That's if fascinating, people, if people are suffering from their vocal folds aren't getting together as well as they used to mm-hmm. for whatever reason, one of the things that SOVT does is you are co-opting back pressure to enable them to come together and they're being brought together from above. It's one of the best things that you can do for SOVT. And I'm assuming then that um, we're talking straw in water.
1: Well, I was going to ask that. Straw in water or straw out, which is more likely to be better?
0: Um, Off the top of my head, I wouldn't like to say. I don't know. I don't have those details. I think the way, because the way that I work is that SOVT, um, and and many speech therapists work, is SOVT is it's variable according to the individual doing it and what the task is and what they want so for example we can do everything from lax which is where you've got a much wider straw um, and you're trying to retrain the diaphragmatic side of the breathing um, and the loose loose voicing um, for that lovely coordination and then obviously you've got the more uh, sort of high level, I I might call it straw in, straw out, straw in water, straw out of water, um, SOVT as well. You've also got all the ones that you can use without straws, um, which lip bubbles that everything that Michael Rosen talks about mm, when his mm. work with, with Fiona Gillies um, you know in the hand you've got um, different sounds you can make with your lips with, you know you don't need necessarily um, extra um, sort of props and resources but what we do find is that using the straw is really beneficial because mm-hmm. of this taking it away from having to think um, so using the straw and, and I know that there's a there's that particular product out there uh, Oren Bone as um, SOVT straw. And I know that it's uh, sort of a, a straw that is very variable and you can change the pressure that that the individual can can use. I mean, maybe you can share a little bit more information about that straw. Sure. Um, the,
2: the one that's out um, at- currently has 12 different settings so you can uh, raise or lower the pressure by changing the length of the straw and also changing the diameter of the straw and i know that he's bringing a, a an extra attachment out that will take it up to 40 different levels which is amazing so it means that you've got something that you can vary depending on the task which is so important it's like what is the task that you're actually using the straws for
1: I mean, what's nice about this, and Carrie, I know you might want to say more, is that it encapsulates exactly what you've just said and what we say over and over again as singing teachers. Mm. One size doesn't
0: fit all. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to say a bit more about that? Well, I mean, it's, it's partly what we've been speaking about already mm. t- today in terms of it absolutely doesn't fit all. And we it doesn't fit everybody on the same day. Everybody changes day mm. to day, yes. week to week. You know, we we may have I mean, I'm just putting it into context as a singer it, myself um when I was gigging and performing, I know that on some days I would have a little bit of reflux because I would have eaten late at night, um, you know, so it would have caused a bit of inflammation in, in my larynx um, and and I'd take longer to warm up and I might have needed a different straw setting on the mornings, on those mornings. Um, when I had children, I found that my, you know, after having C-sections, my um, sort of diaphragmatic control and the, the muscular activity that I had to support breathing and respiratory drive as well, it all changed. Changes as we go through life, things yes. change. Hormones affect us, mm. um, you know, stress and anxiety, house moves, relationship changes, um, pressure of performance. That's a huge one as well. Um, all sorts of things. And, I mean, do you mind if I, I bring back as well? This is still SOVT related, mm. but some of the, um, we had a, a a Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists Voice um, is called a Clinical Excellence Network. Mm-hmm. We had a survey of people of, of speech and language therapists who were working with people experiencing long COVID. And actually, what we found from um laryngeal findings, so the laryngoscopy findings, that most frequently observed was phonatory gap and, and um. Muscle tension dysphonia in patients with long COVID for whatever reason. You can't just say, oh, it's always because of this. It's always going to be multifactorial. Sometimes it may be um, stress and anxiety and psychological causes. Sometimes it's um, changed habits, you know, but essentially it's muscle tension dysphonia. And SOVT is perfectly placed for that Mm -hmm. for various reasons. And like I said, day to day, if people are changing, um, it may be. If you're suffering from long COVID, that actually in the relapsing stage, um, it's really difficult, and you need a completely different setting which allows for much easier vocalisation than when you are um, feeling better. Your respiratory drive is better, um, and you've got more energy. You probably would be want to use the more challenging settings that that provide more um, pressure back pressure mm. so that actually you, you're sort of get, getting your gain from that one thing i will say though is you must always monitor how you're feeling never overdo it with mm. long covid mm. please never overdo it and yes. i can talk about that later i yes. think
1: I, I know one thing that came up in our last sovt course with oran was that uh, some people were saying that um you know they thought that what you're meant to do with a straw is Train, train, and train a bit like you do in the gym and keep on and on pushing yourself. No. And we went, No, 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 no. this is all. We, and we talk so much about what's your comfortable effort level. The idea is to feel more and more comfortable, not to work harder. Yes. And I think that's really important. Yes. Um, Jeremy,
2: we actually you we're have going, a point to we're, make. We're going to just take a little uh, moment because we are sponsored for this and uh, we're going to play a little advert from our sponsor. Oh. Gillian, what are you doing?
1: That feels so much better. I'm a little bit tired today. My voice feels a bit croaky and I have got my SOVT straw in water.
2: Okay, let's talk about the SOVT singing straw. Precision engineered, food grade metal, and it's changeable. So you can change the width, you can change the length, and that means that you can change the resistance.
1: You know what I think so important about that, Jeremy, is that singers are all talking about straws, teachers are talking about straws, researchers are talking about straws, and there's a lot of different information about which size to use. Mm. What's so great about the SOVT singing straw is we have a number of different settings and, like you Said number of different resistances. It's fabulous. So if
2: you haven't got yours yet. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for a code? Okay, we'll give you one. If you go to rayvox.co.uk and use the code vocalprocess, you get fifteen percent off your Sovt singing straw.
1: Let's have a competition. Okay. <laughs> I won! Now, where should we go next? Should we have a few more questions?
2: Um, there's a, there's a, a theme that started to come up, which is some of the symptoms. Mm. So, yeah. a couple of people, Foggy Neck, has talked about tingling. A colleague has low, level, low oxygen levels and feels tingly in extremities since COVID. And somebody else mentioned tingling. Well, Franca well. mentioned Franka it. mentions yes. it in uh, another question. She also mentions dizziness. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't quite sure what caused the dizziness and what, sh- what I should do in the lesson about it with her student, apart from stopping what we were doing and making her comfortable Ooh, and breathing. that is interesting. Until mm-hmm. the dizziness was gone. And someone else has may m- uh, mentioned uh, symptoms like that as well. And also, yeah. this is um, from Joe Fabro in Australia. Um, ongoing sinus pain, uh, memory loss, shallow breathing. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in there. So, just as singing teachers in singing lessons, when people give you those those symptoms or that feedback, what do mm. you do?
0: Mm. Well, I think. Um, was it Franca, you said, who talked about the dizziness? Yes. Um, yeah, so, so dizziness, I, I mean, I think exactly as she did, sitting comfortably on a chair, you know, um, asking her to breathe normally until the dizziness subsides is absolutely right, responded in the appropriate way. I think it's really important to manage what's happening in the moment, but also be mindful of providing advice um, as well. So dizziness and and the It can be a sign that somebody is about to faint, but it can be other things as well, likely due to blood pressure changes, um, heart rate changes, but also there are other causes for dizziness and tingling. I mean, anxiety, as we mentioned, being too hot, not eating or drinking enough. I think the practical advice I would say is do not try to move that person from the spot they're in, sit them down with their head between their knees or ask them to lie on the floor and raise their their legs, um, have a sip of water, maybe eat something, take some deep breaths. So you're, so you know what to do. You're managing that instance of dizziness. Um, I obviously can't provide an answer as to what exactly is causing those symptoms that that um, that Joe's uh, pr- sort of described as well. But I would say that, that there's a lot of research being done. But we've just got to be present with our students to ease the symptoms, um, and then possibly and I know people won't like this but it is for the best of the individual possibly suggest ceasing further singing lessons until the dizziness if it's really bad and very frequent ceasing singing until the dizziness eases and becomes less frequent and by that I mean stop the singing lessons Mm. until that individual is able to do some physical um, exercises Mm. um uh, you know, or sort of have that physical engagement where it, which, and, and it not causing dizziness. It's distressing for them. It's distressing for you. Um, and actually, if the dizziness is still impacting on their life in quite a, a, a big way after that 12 weeks, it's possible. It's post-COVID syndrome and they probably do need to have further assessment. It could be, dizziness might be neurological, it might be vestibular, so balance related as well. But of course, it could be the oxygen levels, as we've said, hmm. or stress and anxiety as well.
1: I think that's really important and I'm, I'm glad you've said it, which is that is a marker for singing teachers to refer on mm. because Absolutely. you need to find out more information. And as you've pointed out, there can be many causes of dizziness.
2: I think there's a, by the way, there's an implicit thing in there, which is that you should be standing up when you sing. And I'm going, nope, not necessarily.
1: It's a mm. call on the body though, isn't it? You know, mm. we're standing up, uh, you know, uh, calling more on the heart, calling more yeah. on the lungs. The blood flow is having to move around. I don't know if anybody's looked at changes in blood pressure in singing, which would be a very interesting study
0: it would it would um i do have something i wanted to chat about as well which i i it's sort of enabling singing teachers and and voice professionals working with singers to to recognize and this is my big speech and language therapy hat as well because accessibility for people who are experiencing these symptoms is really important so obviously as i've just mentioned if somebody is experiencing dizziness but they feel it's manageable then that's up to them to choose to continue to sing because singing is such a um uh, a quality of life um, joy isn't it as well it's not just um for, for like i said we've said before technique and things but there were a few things which i would like all singing teachers and all choir leaders and everything to to consider which is you're going to improve accessibility for people with these longer term conditions um And by accessibility, I mean just levelling the playing field to allow people to engage in music and singing. So things like um, providing sessions online may be completely beneficial to somebody who struggles with fatigue because the journey to a lesson or the journey to a choir rehearsal is going to take all of the energy that they do have and they won't have any left to engage in the singing so sometimes even though you want to see them in person be mindful that if they're having a bad day maybe a shorter lesson online is actually what they need and that's improving their accessibility to to your session i mean in-person sessions are obviously great too. consider is individual our individual sessions going to be more beneficial for some people are group sessions more beneficial um other things as well, if people are st- struggling with memory issues and brain fog, so memory and concentration, it's being mindful that in the past, we possibly sometimes come to performances. I mean, it's Christmas time at the moment. We're thinking lots of people having... Um, choir sing-outs and they're doing um, concerts and um, various things which involve a lot of performance and if people have concentration issues and memory issues they're going to be anxious about remembering the words remembering the music and what comes next Mm. and that's going to have a real physiological impact on their ability to sing and participate and You know, we've got to think, what are people singing for? Is your choir, is your singing lesson there to help improve someone's life or is it sort of what I call hardcore is it sort of <laughs> for the music only and only the music um so maybe you can change the size of the music print the lyrics the size of the lyrics print let people have their music with them in performances god forbid for some people but but you know that can really help mm. allow people to sit for performances allow them to have breaks even if you want them to stand for some of it mm. um Let there be, you know, more frequent pauses and rests and breaks, shorter sessions, um, you know, all all these different things. So less frequent rehearsals, as, as I've said, and altered expectations of people's stamina and performance ability. Love all of that.
1: I think that is brilliant. And, you know, can I just say... All hail every choir leader okay. who has got out there over the last, I mean, you know, we're coming up yeah. almost to two years and has been prepared to go online and work with their singers online and every singing teacher who has adapted to teaching online. Mm, absolutely. You know, because it's, it's big, big
0: change, mm, isn't it?
1: Mm, massive changes, I'm sure you found, you know, in, in the SLT community.
0: One of the things we found as well is that it we still in the NHS have to wear masks in mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. We do have the option of clear masks, but they haven't really been sort of... Uh, recommended as, as the safest option. So we wear our, our masks on our faces when we're in session. And sometimes that's not ideal. You want people to see your face. Mm-hmm. You want to demonstrate and model because you've got mirror neurons and you've got things that, that help with learning. And so sometimes a blended approach is really, really important to consider as well. So some sessions online, some sessions in person. I think that's
1: enormously
0: helpful. Me
2: too. Yes. I want to go to um, what you've just been saying about performance and performance expectations. Because uh, if you like, if you have a singing lesson or a singing uh, set of singing lessons, which is just to improve your own voice for your own sake, that's one thing. If you have a set of singing lessons that are performance geared or performance led, that you're leading up to singing in public. Singing in public is a whole different ballgame and some of the expectations that that people and actually singing teachers have of their students are wild you know mm. we expect you to sing like pavarotti well no you know we expect you to perform like an international opera singer well no actually because that's not the point that's not not the purpose of me being here
1: that's not why the students gone for lessons
2: yeah or we expect yeah. you to do a 3 hour gig well mm. no because again that's not why i'm here so for me that's part of a really eclectic job that the singing teacher has, which is I have to work out what my client actually wants this week, this month, this year, today. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, as I've I've said a lot during today's chat, um, you're perfectly placed to support their rehabilitation through encouraging self-management skills. So looking at their scheduling to reduce the the risk of them burning themselves out. you know, and anything else that may be impacting on their voice, you know, giving them rehearsal space so that they can practice frequently and short bursts and things. Um So yes, self-management skills and and helping them to to look at what it is they're doing across their week. The whole of their vocal context is sometimes really important if they are a performer and if they are having to come up to a performance, it's about helping support them as well. Sometimes if that's within your skill set to pace themselves, not not to do massive long rehearsals, dress rehearsals that last a day before the actual performance. Mm -hmm. You know.
2: Tech week. Um, uh, And And that's
1: important for colleges as well, because colleges are coming up to assessments, you know, particularly performing arts colleges. And maybe they're expecting the same thing from their students, you know, that's down in their curriculum. And some of them won't be able to manage it.
2: I think it's important that some people have tremendous stamina and will do whatever is required of them. And some people have very good stamina and will do whatever is required of them as long as they are feeling healthy. Mm.
0: But the moment
2: you start feeling unhealthy, your general energy levels go down and also your stamina levels go down. And I think we need to acknowledge Mm. that some people who have been phenomenal up to now, get a diagnosis like this, and they go, I can't do it anymore, not because my voice may or may not work, but because I simply don't have the energy levels Mm -hmm. to be able to sustain what I used to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're in a real pickle across the country because we've not got the accessibility to the sort of scoping that we would normally have. So the endoscopic evaluation of the larynx. Um, So we're not able to see very often whether there's, I mean, There's obviously a hospitalised group, as we've talked about, but I'm not specifically talking about that group today. I'm talking about people, as we've said before, in the community who have self-managed their COVID symptoms. But there still is a very real possibility that they have what we call vocal fold ema airway inflammation, that ongoing cough, that inflammatory response to infection. So they may be going through cycles where there's inflammation in the airways, in the larynx, um, reflux may be um, triggered more frequently. And whereas if a person never experienced or before they had COVID, then it's really tricky to get your head round. Why? Why? If I am following to the letter all this vocal hygiene advice that people have given me, why am I still not able to get a clear, smooth tone? What, you know, What am I doing really, wrong? What am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And it leads into this cycle of um, sort of beating yourself up, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Um, you know, like we said before, there's the psychological side to consider that very fact that people are beating themselves up and have got that level of anxiety and and sort of frustration can cause that secondary muscle tension dysphonia. And we know about the the vocal, the fatigue, the vocal stamina has has possibly become less. The endurance of athletes in every sense um, of these athletic singers may have been reduced. And, you know, it may well be even be that it's because of the di- we, we know that people with covid have lost their sense of taste and smell as well and sometimes people have a lower appetite so they're not getting the calories they need they need to look mm. at nutrition mm. to get the right balance you need to look at sleep your breathing everything is going to help support these people who are experiencing these long covid symptoms mm. uh, the sleep is something I really wanted. I have been blown away by <laughs> one of my colleagues um, has spoken recently about a book called Why Why We Sleep, Matthew mm-hmm. Walker. I don't know if you've come across it. Um, do you mind if i read just a little little paragraph from it um it's really interesting and it's also got something about caffeine which i was just like oh my word i just want to speak to people who are voicey about this um so okay this is an amazing breakthrough that's in matthew walker's why we sleep so um he has at the start of chapter six scientists have discovered a revolutionary new treatment that makes you live longer it enhances your memory and makes you more creative it makes you look more attractive it keeps you slim and lowers food cravings it protects you from cancer and dementia it wards off colds and the flu it lowers your risk of heart attacks and stroke not to mention diabetes you'll feel even happier less depressed and less anxious are you interested sign me up what is it all about It's sleep. <laughs> I just think, you know, I think really we all know about vocal hygiene, but yeah. I'm starting to think that sleep hygiene is actually a really big area totally. that we need to yeah. mindful of. Yeah.
1: You are um, preaching to the converted here. Yeah. I am very, very <laughs> interested in sleep. I've been listening to podcasts on sleep mm. uh, and finding out about sleep. Um, I had uh, quite a lot of difficulty sleeping as a child because something was going on in the household. My mum was in hospital. And I think ever since then I've I've had intermittent periods of not sleeping very well. And, in fact, I've had to teach myself to sleep. I've had to teach myself that if I wake up, I have certain kind of breathing exercises and kind of little bits of self-talk that take me back to sleep because – A good night's sleep really does make a world of difference. And we live in a society at the moment with lots of electric light. We've got electronic light around us. We've got these, you know, things that we hold in front of our eyes, which give off blue light. And people don't realise the impact that this is having, which I imagine the book talks about uh, at
0: length. Yes. Everything that you do with a small child,
1: you should be doing for yourself.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, we all know the the um, impacts that having small children has. Or, or, you know, and and also. Gigging late at night, having concerts late at night it 's disruptive, and actually this book is fascinating. It really is in terms of um, whether people are uh, morning larks, night owls, what your circadian rhythm is up to and one of the things I did want to say because I do think this is really interesting was about caffeine now I know in vocal hygiene we all and so voice care advice that we provide to our singers. we always talk about caffeine and how it 's a diuretic, and we just have to be mindful of of um, Sort of what you take, possibly because it possibly has a dehydrating effect, and the jury's out there as to what what that you know what is the case surrounding that. But in term, I want I want to talk about caffeine in terms of sleep. Um, I, I just it really sort of struck a chord. So the way that he describes it, that Matthew describes it, is that we've got receptors, neuroreceptors in our brain. And through the day, we have a buildup of sleep pressure. Um, and it's adenosine, I think that's right, um, adenosine. And it's a, it's a sort of chemical buildup that attaches to those receptors. Mm-hmm. And so by a certain point in the day, the, your circadian rhythm and this sleep pressure reaches an optimal um, sort of, comes together and you want to fall asleep. You're tired and you have a lovely sleep and it's restorative. Um, And actually what we're doing with caffeine is caffeine bonds to these neuroreceptors and prevents the adenosine from attaching to it. So we're not getting that overriding sleep pressure Mm -hmm. um, building up. So you can understand because it's a, it's a psycho stimulant, isn't it? Psychoactive stimulant caffeine is. So, um, When we wait, when we have, uh, so for myself, I'm a morning lark. And when I used to have late night gigs, I would drink coffee, I would take. Chocolate. I'd have things that had caffeine in them, and obviously, what was happening was they were dampening my responsiveness to this adenosine sleep pressure. And then, what you find is you have this almighty crash because the caffeine is eventually processed through the body by the liver, um, and and when it's gone out of the system, suddenly the the adenosine doesn't go away. It's still building up, even though the caffeine's got hold of all the receptors. So this overriding amount of adenosine. Um, Makes us have this crash, this absolute crash, which is which is where you know where we feel incredibly tired and feel very ill, very unwell, and need to sleep. Um, and obviously, if if we're in a, a situation where we had been following our natural rhythms during lockdown, and now we're back on the road, we're performing, we're working, you're teaching, we're not listening to our bodies as well as we had been. We're not taking care of ourselves um, in the same way that we possibly had. Opportunities opportunity to during all these lockdowns. Everybody felt so well. Well, I'm not saying everybody, sorry, that's an awful thing to say. But generally, people who were going through a lockdown and weren't getting poorly um, from COVID um, were reporting, you know, they had time for their free time, their rest, their meditation, Mm -hmm. their activities, their hobbies. And so they were feeling generally better. Um, and this is partly because of they were able to sleep, possibly follow their natural bodily rhythms and their, the restorative function that those have.
1: That's fascinating. Um, I'm definitely going to get that book. And you can yeah. actually go online and do a test on your morningness versus eveningness. Yeah. And I'm sort of a moderately morningness person, apparently. So I definitely get a dip. Always get a dip around three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Oh, I and do that.
0: you do you drink caffeine? That's the thing. Do you drink uh, caffeine at that point to keep you going or do you? No,
1: no, no. no, um, no. I might drink a coffee, but it'll be a uh, a well decaffeinated coffee. It has to yeah. be steam cleaned. I don't use the other type. <laughs> um, maybe once a day, never more and yeah. not even every day. So, but that works for me for all kinds of reasons.
2: When I was at college, we they instigated a concert series at 5 p.m. And it was horrible because I have horrible dips at 5pm and then back again at 6 And I was playing in so many of them going, I have to stay awake in this.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. Read the book. It's fascinating. It will tell you exactly what was happening with your body at that time of day. (laughs) Absolutely fascinating.
2: We'll link to it in the show notes.
0: Cool. I think
1: we should talk about... Why there might be a loss of range, sort of pitch range function.
2: Ooh, somebody asked.
1: Post-COVID, we've got a couple of those. Louise's question.
2: Becky Owen, Um, first of all, said um, loss of range in the higher register. We're now talking about the higher register because this links quite nicely. Uh, Louise Mm, Laboutier sent a question in, so let me just play hers.
1: I've been teaching quite a lot
0: of teenage girls who have had COVID this term. And I've particularly noticed with the girls that they are experiencing a lot more breathiness of tone in mechanism two since they've had COVID. Um, I'm wondering why this is affecting their M2 more than their M1 and what I can do to help them recover from this quickly.
1: So, Carrie, why might it be that these female voices are having difficulty with their mechanism two rather Mm -hmm. than their mechanism one? Any thoughts?
0: So... Um, Thank you, Louise. Great, great question. Um, So the way that I sort of make sense of this in in my mind and from my days working in voice clinics is that when people have um, inflammatory response uh, in in and around their vocal tracts, whether it's vocal folds or or the tissues surrounding, what we tend to see with the vocal folds themselves is that the inflammation causes sort of a a heavier, um, slower, vibratory pattern Um, so there's I always think of it as them being fluid filled whether that's totally correct I'm not really sure but they're not able to vibrate as fast in the the normal vibratory cycle as they would normally so when we sing higher notes we obviously need to get the vibration to be vibrating faster so more vibrations per second Um, and when people have inflammatory response it's more difficult so we might find that there's some compensatory tension creeping in where there wasn't previously so actually people who would have uh, previously been able to easily achieve those higher notes um, in that uh, mechanism two using mechanism two that they're being uh, impaired in that function because of possibly the vocal fold edema um, the fact that they've got cough quite frequently uh, they might have reflux again it's that that disf- that functional dysphonia muscle tension whether it's mm-hmm. secondary compensatory muscle tension um, or whether it's a muscle tension that's there for another reason um again respiratory drive might be less and actually and i don't mean less as in you need more oomph for those higher notes what i mean is that they're out of balance mm. they whereas previously their bodies instinctively knew what was needed for that task that vocal task when somebody has inflammation in the larynx and the vocal folds things change and and, you know, if the respiratory drive has changed, the energy overall in a person has changed, um, it, this is where the SOVT exercises will really, really help because they will help somebody to approach these higher notes um, with more ease. So less effort, less pressure and pushing, which is the instinctive reaction of so many people um, to try and get that, that better quality voice. Um, so, yeah. So, in terms of singing teaching, I would say the direct things you can do are SOVT, tension release exercises, you know, all the things you would normally do. And I don't know if it's sort of a part of the singing teacher's role, but I would always say that, well, more frequently than, than not, I, I would when I'm working with people who are singers and, and um, young people who come in with voice problems, we tend to work on their speaking voices as well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. our voice is a voice. it goes across everything. Um, and it's about developing some awareness sometimes about because people are more fatigued, because people are not using the same respiratory effort or the right respiratory effort or breath pressure that they they need for speech and singing um, they tend to be speaking in everyday life with this sort of dip in pitch at the end of sentences or going into the pitch ditch as we say Um, and they might have squeeze and creak um, being audible in their in their voice because they're just not supporting they're not using the breath to ease them through that sound towards the end of sentences Um, I mean sometimes people uh, similarly if not using the right respiratory pressure for for speaking the onsets the starts of sounds Mm -hmm. may be a little bit more squeezed than they need to be um so yeah so improving their speech quality is really important as well and if you feel that somebody does have um symptoms, which is not just in their M2, but also in their speaking voice, and you find that they've got maybe a slightly breathier tone, um, or more squeeze and and creak that's audible, then maybe consider if they need to see an ENT and and get referred for some speech therapy to to help them through. Mm,
1: I think that's a great idea. So, it sounds like you're saying, you know, because of the effects of COVID, there's less responsiveness in the vocal folds. And it could be that that's happening more in the, I'm talking about how a that, singer. How, yeah, that, that's another option. Yeah. So,
0: so in terms of respect, there is the possibility of that um, neuropathy. So that, mm. that sort of sluggish vocal fold movement, there is the possibility of that, but I wouldn't jump to it being that. I would more often than not, Presume, I mean, again, from the endoscopy findings um, of my speech and language therapy colleagues, it, it's edema, um, you know, and slight reduction in movement uh, that's t- that's more typically encountered when we look at what's going on in the mm-hmm. larynx. So yeah. it's
1: interesting that responsiveness for you is more about a neurological thing,
0: yes, um, from
1: your perspective. As so a singer, I'm really happy feels... that you clarified that. So if the vocal folds are a little bit sort of swollen because of the mm. impact of covid well first of all the wiggle factor on the mucosa is not mm. going to be as um as strong as it normally is and when we're in mechanism 2 we need more of that going on and maybe the swelling also impacts on the ability of the vocal folds to find some stretchiness which yeah. they might need for high notes. Stretch and yeah, cleanly absolutely. meeting as yeah, well. Yeah, I've yeah. Th- I think yeah. that makes sense to me. So, yeah. um, Louise and Becky, I hope that that's helpful. And what you're saying is. Maybe listen to the speaking voice and work on the speaking voice as well. And then SOVT could be your friend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Voice care. Make sure that they are completely looking at, you know, hydrating enough. Mm. Make sure they are managing their reflux, all those things. Oh, yes. Jeremy. Jeremy is showing us the app. <laughs>
2: I just want to remind uh-huh. people of the One Minute Voice warm-up app
0: mm. uh,
2: that we made because it is for speaking voice and there are 15 exercises in there that you can build into um, as lengthy a warm-up as you want to, mm. but it's absolutely specifically for speaking voice and we get singers to use it because the speaking voice for us is such a basis for phonating in any way, singing or speaking. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that app would be perfect for people to use, you know, anything that they can carry around because it com- what we call compliance in therapy and motivation to engage in these activities. What we do in our sessions um, is great, but really we're trying to give individuals, whether it's in singing or in therapy, um, we're trying to give people skills and the ability and the knowledge to take it outside of our sessions mm-hmm. to continue to do these things independently and self-manage. What's going on for them? Be it um, habilitating their voice and developing their their vocal technique, um, or actually rehabilitating their voice. So that that um, one minute warm up voice app is perfect because it's in your pocket. You can use it wherever you want to—in the toilet, on the tube, or you know wherever you feel confident I using loved, it. <laughs> I loved that Michael Rosen referred to to
1: practicing his S O V T on the loo. Yeah. On the toilet. we yes. all go to the loo. Yes. Um, yep. And what you're talking about here, I think the word that you use in speech and language therapy is generalising the skill. So you're not just doing it in the session, you're taking it out into everyday life. And the more that we use our speaking voice healthily in everyday life, the more likely we are going to be able to use our voice healthily in this more specialist skill of singing. Yeah. Absolutely, really yeah. Saying, because we can't
0: it? we can't separate the two. Yeah. Our voice is our instrument; yeah. is with us every single day. Um, and we can stand in a singing lesson and go right. We're going to work on breath, body work, and all these kind of things. But if they're not speaking correctly when they're hanging out with their friends, mm. and they're reinforcing, you know, this this compens- you know, secondary muscle tension, and and all, you know all this creaking and everything, a certain amount. Would probably cause people no concerns whatsoever. But when you've got in uh, vocal folds which are inflamed as a result of a viral infection or whatever, you've got to be mindful of this. I mean, we other things you can do in your session, Louise, are are things like the breath and body work, retraining the the breathing mechanisms, and again talking about things that might reduce anxiety within the context Mm of um, singing. You know. if it like we've spoken about before, if it's using your your words and music um, rather than having to remember things, um, but more importantly, listening to their own body if fatigue is an issue, um, and maybe altering expectations and cho- making different choices, mm. alternative song choices, alternative musical choices, alternative as well. keys, press the transpose button, use
2: the transpose yeah. <laughs> button on your keyboard. It is your friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, I'm
1: wondering, because I think we've actually answered all the questions that came in so far. Carrie, are there any other points that you would like to make that you think our, our listeners would like, would, you know, would like to know about?
0: Well, I think just just a sort of list of things that you might expect: um, voice symptoms, voice and laryngeal symptoms okay. you might hear of um, are things. I know we've talked about some of these quite extensively today, but going in list of pre- order of prevalence in the research so far, we are finding that vocal fatigue um, and lack of vocal stamina is number one in the in these. Issues that are presenting to um, so so the the evidence for this is in several research papers actually, um, but also in our. Um, Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists voice CEM survey when we were talking about symptom clusters and trends of mm. non-hospitalised sufferers of, of long COVID um, but it's also in a, an, an article by Leechin, I think it is, L-E-C-H-I-E-N um, features of mild to moderate COVID-19, patients with dysphonia um, and also Davis et al. Uh, from 2021 characterising long COVID in an international cohort, seven months of long COVID and speech and language therapy and their symptoms and their impact so this is where this information comes from um, so vocal fatigue number one lack of vocal stamina mm-hmm. and that is actually higher than how often dysphonia so so problems with voice change itself was seen in post-covid patients so it's not necessarily that you're expecting to hear the breathiness the roughness uh, you know and, and the strain and things um disc- throat discomfort and soreness is number two um Changes in voice is number three reduced respiratory drive is number four, so that the, the overall lung capacity the the coordination of breathing is something that suffers quite frequently in patients with long covid people with long covid which is where these breathing programs are really supportive and and can be helpful and restorative of diaphragmatic function Mm. things shortness of breath is next lump in the throat so what we call globus pharyngeus um which also might be attributable to anxiety Mm. and things persistent cough and then we've got things like sticky throat mucus i know some people have mentioned and swallowing difficulties because we again we can't voicing is the third function of our larynx you know uh, um outside of airway protection and swallowing voicing mm. is the third important thing so swallowing difficulties are also impacted and I would suggest if you do have anybody who comes to you and says oh I'm really struggling to swallow again if it goes on for longer than sort of 12 weeks and things definitely suggest to them possibly they may want to get get that looked at mm-hmm. just to see oh. if they can get some advice from the professionals. Mm.
1: That's brilliant. Thank you. And isn't that interesting that vocal fatigue and lack of stamina is really the most prevalent Mm -hmm. cluster of symptoms. And
2: we should mention at this point Feeney Cave, Mm -hmm. who is doing the musical breath and singing for breathing courses. And uh, she was on a previous podcast with us. So we will link to that in the show notes as Mm -hmm. well.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Um, I think I'm just looking through whether there was anything else. Oh, I know that the British Lung Foundation has some fantastic resources. Um, For example, they've got resources which are videos on if if somebody needs. So it's not necessarily for your singing lessons, but just for interest for people who are interested in breathing. I need to clear my lungs and there's some deep breathing and diaphragmatic breathing as well. Um, I'm breathless videos. So helping uh, people to try breathing in different positions because essentially when you're rehabbing breathing you're trying to slowly um, rehab somebody to function across all contexts it's Mm. not just for singing and speaking Mm. it's about moving Mm. and participating in all their different ways uh, things they have to do so again a respiratory team is possibly the best well definitely the best place to start for advice um, Mm. and proper assessment if you feel somebody has something that's without outside of your back. Boundaries of knowledge.
1: Excellent. Do you know what's occurred to me? I think, though none of us could have ever expected this, and none of us would ever wished it to happen. I think we've learned a lot Mm, from COVID. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's different for everyone. I mean, the, the the last things I've sort of got on my list of things I wanted to make sure I said was: it is different for everyone. Mm. There is no way that anybody can predict recovery trajectory. That um, it's not everybody's searching for how long will this last? How will I know I'm better and things like that. I think don't expect too much from yourself as you recover. Enable your body to return to everyday life before trying to improve your fitness. So everyday life, just normal functioning, Mm -hmm. good sleep and rest is important. And once your energy levels have stabilized, which may be four to 12 weeks, or it may be moving into that post-COVID syndrome era and beyond. So once your energy levels have stabilized and fatigue has improved, then start setting achievable targets so that you Mm -hmm. can see progress each week. So it's motivating you to to develop again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just remember that doing too much can set your recovery back. So listen to your body and in our professional capacity listen to the people you're working with and follow be led by them because they are the experts on themselves
2: that's perfect that's Harry. thank you so much mm. for being a guest on the podcast you
0: are so welcome <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we'll see you soon
1: jingle time
2: This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher.